With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Yanger Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. We are here to talk hookies alongside me, two of my closest friends. Number one, not in a hotel room. This time at least. Mike McDaniel, where are you reporting from tonight? Parents' basement. So, I mean... America's I'm not in the hotel. This could be much worse. Is, is the basement better than the Marriott? Yes. All right. Yes, it is. I'm not in Columbus, man. It's a good day. Well, before he spoils his own intro, Ricky the Blue, you're in the 7-5, I'm sure. How you doing, man? Doing all right. I, I finally have some Coke for my captain, so I'm enjoying uh, a, a nice drink here. Um, probably not as much though as Mike's enjoying not being in Columbus because oh. I feel like I feel like seventy percent of the pods that we do he's in Columbus. Um, so you might as well just get a Columbus driver's license. Oh, uh, he knows. He knows. I, he I gotta pay. Him. I gotta pay Ohio taxes this year, boys, because I've worked oh, there. Oh hell, yeah. dude! Yeah. All right, so before... I, 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 I know Governor Mike Devine or whatever his name is or Lewine or it, that's the it, rules, isn't it? It's the wine. But, but no, um, so before we jumped on the pod, you guys were having an interesting discussion about chilies, and I need this to continue. So before we dive into the Hokies, which is what everyone actually cares about, let's pull out some non-interesting fodder about chilies. Okay, so on the radio show the other day, me and Paul had gotten quite an argument about whether chilies is a good restaurant or not. I was standing for chilies. So, of course, as talk radio goes, we had to experiment. So today, me and my producer, Nathan Brennan, the esteemed, basically my college friend who I got a job, we drove out to Princeton, West Virginia from Blacksburg, a hour and 15 minute drive at the pace Nathan was driving. And we went to Chili's. And let me tell you, it was everything that I expected and more. Chili's drove, might be America's You drove an bar. hour and 15 minutes for a freaking Chili's. Chili's? Are you drunk? Oh, yeah. No, we did. That's what we did. Oh, my God. Mike, I don't know about uh, you, I man, might have been but drunk Chili's when I woke sucks. Up. <laughs> the food's not good. They, they don't know what kind of restaurant they want to be. First, it was, oh, Rick. they want to be an Applebee's, but with a Southwest vibe. And now I just completely blown the whole thing up. Uh, now chili sucks. I have one like ten minutes from my house, and it's terrible. I uh, so I used to eat at a Chili's for lunch when I was working in Deland, Florida. That's northwest of Orlando. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you guys heard of Stetson University? Oh yeah. Okay. Brown, okay. Yeah. So I was I was basically just like six months into my job. And uh, we were eating at a Chili's basically every day for lunch when I was working down there uh, for a client because there was not there was not anything else down there. Like there's nothing there. It's a university. There's like age single Jimmy John's and then Chili's was your only other option. So we would basically alternate between both Jimmy John's and Chili's while we were uh, while we were working there for lunch. I had chilies Good man. Good like man. every other day for like three months. I never want to eat there again. Here's how I hear what Here is how I hear what you just said. Oh Jesus. You had the pleasure of going to chilies every day for months. 
And you're an ungrateful SOB. But we are here to talk about one thing and one thing only. Am I right? And that is the Virginia Tech Hokies. And we talk about easy tasks. We talk about winnable games. And this game is the one that maybe everyone, all of us, had written as a loss going into the season. The independent, quote-unquote, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who were in the college football playoff last year. Well, the Hokies will travel to play them. In South Bend, Indiana, granted, last time they were there, they picked up a win. Circumstances were slightly different. Mike, you look at this Notre Dame team, and obviously these just got smacked by the University of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's boys showed them something else. Tell me what you know about this Notre Dame team, and please give me some kind of reason Okay, so despite what they showed last Saturday against Michigan, Notre Dame's defense is actually pretty good. Um, so they did not tackle well in that game against Michigan. That was clear. Um, some missed assignments, a couple blown coverages, some missed assignments defensively. Um, Shea Patterson didn't throw the ball much. He didn't have to, uh, but when he did, he hit on a couple big throws in that football game. Uh, more importantly, Michigan's running game was very good. Notre Dame's rushing defense ironically this year it hasn't been bad at all it was very very bad against Michigan though um some of that sure could be weather impacted they were playing in a monsoon but you know for missed assignments and things of that nature that was uncharacteristic of what we had seen out of Notre Dame to to date um offensively Ian Book has regressed as a passer his stats are about the same as they were a year ago but uh you know, when you take out a couple of blowout wins um, and you take the real competition into account, Ian Book has regressed quite a bit from a year ago. Notre Dame is Notre Dame lacks explosiveness in the passing game. Uh, they do have a couple of talented receivers highlighted by Chase Claypool. Uh, he is their star player on their offense outside of Ian Book. Notre Dame loves to run the football with Tony Jones and Jafar Armstrong. The issue is that neither one of them have been healthy or effective at the same time this year. So Notre Dame's rushing game, uh, which killed the Hokies a year ago in Blacksburg, uh, is not nearly as good this year as it was last year. I think as a result, when you don't have that running game going like Notre Dame likes to do and you lack explosiveness in the passing game, it becomes a little bit more difficult to score points. With all of that being said, Virginia Tech's defense needs to be on their P's and Q's, so to speak, and make sure they're they're locked into the game plan and have all their assignments in order on the defensive side of the football because despite Notre Dame lacking explosiveness in the passing game, they still have receivers and plenty of talent for Virginia Tech to have to deal with on Saturday. Ricky Ricardo, that line right now sits at 17 and a half. I know you are the eternal pessimist of this podcast. Give me all right, 17 and a half right now. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves because we'll eventually pick these games. Give me a reason why that line should be smaller. I mean, Virginia Tech's won three games in a row. Notre Dame just got waxed. I'm a realist, Andrew. I'm a, I'm a realist. Well, number one, Notre Dame's defense is is the better unit, but they're still not all that great. They're 29th in scoring defense and 46th in uh, total defense. So it's not like their defense is elite level. I mean, they're good, right? But they're not all that good. Uh, like Mike mentioned, Ian Book has regressed a lot. Uh, he has one really, really talented receiver in Chase Claypool, and that's about it. Uh, he's got a running back who has, is still averaging six yards a rush but isn't really putting up a ton of touchdowns. I think he's only got like four in the year or so. Um, this Notre Dame team is talented and they're good, but it's not like this team is worldly or definitely playoff bound. I mean, they have the same record as Virginia Tech, and we all know how Bill Parcells likes to say, you are what your record says you are, but I still think Notre Dame is the better team here. But ultimately, uh, at 5-2, and two, it's not like this Notre Dame team is gonna is gonna absolutely whip up on the team that is also five and two. Now, Virginia Tech's schedule has been really really weak, and uh, to this point, they have not beaten a team of really any consequence, any team that's really good. But 
Uh, Notre Dame has their own question marks. They just got absolutely embarrassed on national television in the rain in the big house by Michigan, who is full of their own problems, frankly. Uh, so I think Notre Dame fans should be a bit uneasy. I, I still think they're going to win this game. We'll obviously get to that later. But Notre Dame, if they don't get things figured out, then they're going to find themselves in a dogfight in South Bend for sure. Mike, you look at a quarterback like Ian Book. The numbers have gone down since last year. Notre Dame, the college football playoff team in 2018. Has he regressed? Tech has obviously seen him before. Is it the guy that Virginia Tech can expose? No, I don't I don't think so. Because I think the skill talent is at Notre Dame in particular, it's a it's a different level than the skill talent and experience defensively for Virginia Tech. So I don't think that I think Virginia Tech will be able to get a pass rush in this game uh, against Ian Book. I do. But I think Ian Book is talented enough in that short and intermediate passing game to get the ball to his playmakers. Um, And I think if he does that, even if it's, you know, a couple of the slot receivers, if it's a guy like Claypool, if it's hitting Tony Jones or Armstrong out of the backfield, it's, you know, there's opportunity for Notre Dame's athletes to get into space and make it difficult on Virginia Tech's defense. Um, So can they expose Ian Book, so to speak? I mean, sure. I mean, they can force a turnover. They did that a year ago against Ian Book. But can they do that consistently enough on the road in South Bend? That's a different question. Ricky, you've been covering college football for a long time. What's the anatomy of a, you know, it's obviously not probable, but it's certainly possible a Virginia Tech win against Notre Dame. Notre Dame brings in four and five star recruits. Virginia Tech brings in three and four star recruits. What's the anatomy behind the Virginia Tech win here? Because we saw just last week a Kansas team filled with three stars beat an Oklahoma team filled with five stars. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Number one, they need to turn Notre Dame over, which hasn't been very easy this year. Notre Dame is plus eight in the turnover margin, which is tied for eighth in the country. Uh, So that's something that Virginia Tech's going to have to fix. Um, the other thing, is, as Mike mentioned, they need to get pressure on Ian Book. And uh, for those who haven't seen the news today, Narelle Pollard was charged with misdemeanor marijuana possession. So, yeah, his his uh, his playing. Granted, Narelle Pollard has been basically Tech's third or fourth defensive tackle this year. And if he's not out there, Tech is going to be missing one of their top three defensive tackles. Now, he, the only reason he started uh, against North Carolina was because Deshaun Crawford was hurt. Uh, for Virginia Tech's sake, they better hope Crawford is back and ready to go for this game because they're certainly going to need him. If Pollard is able to play, which it's a misdemeanor, so Virginia Tech does have some leeway as to how they want to handle that. If it's a felony, he's automatically gone off the team. That's a that's a university policy. But because it's a misdemeanor, uh, he's able to he's able to stick around and Justin Fuente and Whip Babcock can handle it how they see fit. Uh, if he plays, that certainly is going to help given how he performed in the UNC game. Uh, against a bad offensive line. But if he's not able to be out there, then things are going to be tough for guys like Jared Hewitt and Deshaun Crawford, who are already kind of average players with maybe a small tad of upside and also a small tad of downside. So it's not like Virginia Tech's defensive line is really knocking down anybody's door on a consistent basis. They're going to need all uh, all hands on deck. Mike. Is this a team that, I mean, Ricky just broke some news on the pod, for me at least. <laughs> I didn't know that, and I unfortunately live with this But I can't take credit for it. That was Mike Niziolik at the Roanoke Times. He he was the guy who went first with that. Shout out, Mike. Very nice guy. Very nice guy, Mike, over the Roanoke Times. But Mike McDaniel, also a nice guy. <laughs> According According to some people. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> Mike McDaniel, is this a team that can really afford to lose that depth on the D-line? Uh, well, I, I mean, to Ricky's point, like Pollard had a good game against North Carolina, but Pollard also hasn't exactly been like the starter all year, right? Um, Virginia Tech needs as much depth as they can get on the defensive line. So does it hurt them? Yeah, it hurts them from a depth perspective. Are they going to be, is this a, you know, this is like losing Luther Maddie five years ago, like in the middle of the defensive line or something like that. 
Luther Maddox. Love Luther Maddox. I mean, that's my point, right? He's a very good player. It's not like you're losing like one of your best defensive linemen in the middle. You're losing a, a kid who's been who's been good when he's played, but he is a freshman. It hurts him from a depth perspective, and that's somewhere where Virginia Tech has obviously needed um, all the help that they could get was depth in the defensive line and the secondary. So the injury or the injury, the uh, potential suspension for the game if he doesn't end up playing, that does hurt. Um, because, you know, the Hokies do need him out there. But is it w- something that, you know, the Hokies can overcome, so to speak, for one game against Notre Dame? I mean, sure. I don't think this is a situation that's going to cost the Hokies the game, so to speak. All right, well, so I'll drop some knowledge now that Ricky's dropped some knowledge on me. My sources on the ground, who I trust wholeheartedly, these are good people. I will not reveal who they are. These are good people have told me that Quincy Patterson has been taking all the first team reps all week, regardless of the fact that Hennenhooker may or may not be ready to play. Do you envision a victory with Quincy Patterson behind center, Ricky? No. Uh, Tech's chances of winning this game are already sub 50%, putting in a retro freshman quarterback who has one really half a game of meaningful playing experience isn't going to increase those chances. Uh, I mean, he's obviously a very dynamic runner. He's a guy who seems to be able to get guys to rally around him. He's, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, I had the, the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times when he was a recruit and a signee, but no, Quincy's not going to be the guy to get this done. Head and hooker, has given Virginia Tech some consistent production in the passing game. He's taking care of the football. He can do more with his arm than Quincy can at this point. So Virginia Tech really needs Hendon Hooker on the field. If if Hendon Hooker's not going to play, then yes, Quincy Patterson needs to be the guy. If Hendon Hooker is available and healthy and ready to go, he needs to be the starter in South Bend on Saturday. And unless Quint, unless Hendon does something to lose the job, Hendon should keep the job for the rest of the season. He's earned it. I know Quincy is a guy that has a bit more acclaim and hype and upside, perhaps. But Hendon's done everything that he's been asked to do. And I think it would be wrong of uh, anyone in the Virginia Tech program to start favoring Quincy just because he's the guy that was supposed to be the prodigy or the chosen one. Uh, Hendon Hooker's got plenty of his own upside, and he's done a a pretty damn good job uh, up to this point. And like, oh, uh, to push back, not push back, but to backtrack, it might be more of a hen health thing, right? Because you have a hen hooker who is coming off of what looks to be a sprained knee, from what I've heard. Not a detrimental injury, but an injury nonetheless. And if Ryan Willis sprained his knee, had two weeks and came back, and he was our starting quarterback, and he was the one succeeding, you might say, oh, put Ryan Willis in there. But Hendon Hooker is a different kind of quarterback. He's a running quarterback. That is what he has succeeded in so far. He has passed the ball very well. But nonetheless, Mike, who would you rather play? A 75, maybe 80% Hendon Hooker? Or an 100% Quincy Patterson who might not have that full grasp on the playbook, who might not have that full armor. At the same time, he's 100%. If Hendon Hooker feels good enough to play and be effective running the football, you play Hendon Hooker. Um, if he is not 100%, though, and he's laboring a little bit running the ball, and he's still unable to um, you know, get up to full speed and, and have that breakaway speed that he's shown at times when he's gotten outside the pocket, and if there's a chance of him re-injuring his leg, you have to play Quincy Patterson on Saturday against Notre Dame. The rest of the season in the Coastal Division, with the current state of the division, there's too much at stake to run Hendon Hooker out there at less than 100% if he's not confident that you know he's healthy enough to play, right? And I think the coaching staff is aware of that. I think that if that's the case and Quincy Patterson's receiving all the first team reps, I think that's because they believe that Hendon Hooker might not be 100% there. And if he's not 100% there, they're not going to run him out there against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's the best defense left on Virginia Tech's schedule. 
they're not going to run Hendon Hooker out there with a chance to get re-injured with so much still left to play for in the Coastal Division. They're just not going to do it. And I agree with that decision, quite honestly. Notre, Notre Dame is a 17-point favorite in this game for a reason, right? Um, they have a lot more talent than Virginia Tech. They're a different state in their program than the Hokies are. There's a reason why Virginia Tech's a two-and-a-half touchdown underdog. This would be more if Notre Dame didn't just get completely embarrassed in the big house last Saturday, if you're playing this game, like a week after Notre Dame uh, lost to Georgia in a very tight contest on the road um, a week or two later, and everybody's still high on Notre Dame, Notre Dame is probably around a three touchdown favorite in this football game. There is a reason why they're favored the way that they are. And it's because they are very, very good. In comparison to Virginia Tech, they have the depth that Virginia Tech doesn't have currently. More importantly, they have experience at a lot of their key positions that Virginia Tech doesn't quite have yet. So with all that being said, you don't want to run Hendon Hooker out there in a game where you're already up against it, right? Um, Quincy Patterson, this is a great game uh, for him to get experience against the best defense that is remaining on the schedule. You give Hendon Hooker another week to heal up. Um, obviously coming off of the UNC game and the bye week, you know, you're going to give him a few more weeks to heal going into a really, really important game against Wake Forest a week from Saturday. So I'm fully on board with them, with the Hokies playing Quincy Patterson, especially if Hendon Hooker's not, not hundred percent healthy. Yeah. And Mike, to your point, you, you mentioned that Notre Dame is, is a really good team. I mean, look at their two losses. Like you mentioned, they lost to Michigan and they lost to Georgia. Virginia Tech has lost to Boston College and Duke, and they've barely beaten two FCS teams on the schedule. These are not two similar five and two teams. Right. This is one team that is very, very talented and hasn't beaten teams at their talent level. Uh, and then another team who's not quite as talented and a lot younger and a team that has gotten beaten by teams at their talent level. So there's, there, I don't think that anyone can build a sound case as to why they, they are really confident Virginia Tech is going to win this game. Obviously, there's a chance for them to do it, but if you look on paper and think through it logically, I don't think there's any conclusion or any any stat, any, any anything you could look at that would lead you to picking Virginia Tech as the favorite in this game, which and I've actually seen somewhere. Yeah. And Ricky, I saw your point too. Um, you know, your point you just made also about, um, you know, the talent level of Notre Dame and, you know, Quincy Patterson not being ready throwing the football yet, at least not being ready to the level that Hendon Hooker is. I'm 100% behind that. Um, Quincy Patterson was great against North Carolina, did exactly what they needed him to do. And to do that as a redshirt freshman is, is big, right? I mean, yeah. that's, Everything, I mean, everything and more. I mean, you throw it him in that game. It definitely shows the kids got balls for sure. It does. It does. And there's a lot of promise for the future with Quincy Patterson. But Hendon Hooker is the quarterback if he's healthy. Uh, he has been outstanding when he's played. He's taking care of the football. He's providing more in the passing game. The coaching staff is more comfortable with him throwing the ball. You have to play Quincy Patterson if he's, or I'm sorry, Hendon Hooker if he's healthy. But with all that being said, if he's not 100%, I don't want to run Hooker out there against a fast Notre Dame defense and get him hurt because if you get him hurt and you have Quincy Patterson the rest of the way, I don't know how it ends up turning out, but there's way too much left to play for in the Coastal Division. The coaching staff has played Hooker over Quincy all this time for a reason. It's because they trust him more. They got to play Hooker. Well, boys, I think it comes down to health, right? I mean, I think that what makes it tough is that all these kids are competitors, right? Hendon Hooker's a competitor. Quincy Patterson's a competitor. You have to really trust that medical staff to give you, you being Justin Fuente, a basically serious diagnosis. And, and, and on top of that, your observations from practice of how effective that knee is going to be because that knee, if you're Hendon Hooker, is like, Half your game, <laughs> if not more, that's what makes you effective. That dual threat capability. But at the same time, you're Justin Fuente. You have a tough decision to make. If Hendon says he's good, you've seen what you've seen. Ricky, you know Justin Fuente better than any of us. What's going to be going through his mind? 
I guess it'll be tomorrow, possibly today, today being Thursday, tomorrow being Friday, the game being Saturday. What do you think is going into his mind as he's making these evaluations for who he's going to make his starting quarterback come Saturday in South Bend? Well, like any coach, it's who gives him the best chance to win. But as we know, Justin Fuente places an emphasis on a few things, namely taking care of the football. I think Hennon Hooker is the guy who has proven that he can take care of the football better than anyone on the roster. He has more experience in the system um, than, than Quincy Patterson. He's has a proven track record of taking care of the football. He has shown, at least on film, that he's able to put the ball where it needs to go and not take too many unnecessary risks. And he's he's gotten you wins. I mean, you have to give him credit for that at some point. So Fuente is probably just trying to pour through everything that he can. He's obviously going to have to take in and Hooker's health into account. If Hooker is less mobile than normal, perhaps you have to involve the running backs in the run game a bit more. I would still start Hooker if he's 80 to 90% because I still think he would be the better option at that point. If he's working at 75 or even like 65% in terms of his overall health, then at that point, he's probably no longer the best option. You need to put Quincy Patterson out there. Uh, but I think Virginia Tech fans can probably bank on Quincy being the number two now and not Ryan Willis. And that's at least a welcome change for a lot of people because as we've talked about before, Ryan Willis just isn't getting the job done, and it was time for him to to take a, a, a drop down the chart. And I think also, Andrew, I'm just going to jump in real quick, one more thing, real quick. Um, I think the one the one thing you can point to with the coaching staff, there's been a lot of complaints out of the fan base for a number of reasons this year, but I think the single bit, biggest criticism you can give this coaching staff is the fact that Hendon Hooker has looked this good why wasn't he the starter from the outset? Absolutely. Um, and that's the biggest criticism that you can place on this coaching staff. There's a lot of a lot of stuff out there people want to complain about. The single biggest criticism is Hendon Hooker being the backup quarterback. Why weren't you starting him the whole time? And why was Ryan Willis continually trotting out there even after a couple of bad games in a row? This season does look a little bit different, in my opinion, if Hooker's started from day one. I think the BC game turns out a little bit different. And, you know, maybe a couple of these other games um, look a little bit better on paper, namely the Furman game, um, which was pretty embarrassing there for a half. Yeah, and like, we obviously we sat next to each other. We watched that Furman game together from the press box. I'm going to come in with my unrelated clown comment of the day. <laughs> clown comment of the day we need to get a sponsor for the clown comment of the if day you know, like if that. you know any clown can we get, people like people that clown companies I know a lot of clown are, people oh I know yeah I know plenty yeah. of clown people I can pull up the Rolodex man I've got clowns on clowns on clowns I can give you and me, me sometimes that I'm sometimes included on that list. I have no problem admitting that sometimes I've come out as a clown. So you have to be willing to admit your fault. Well, here it is. I'm coming in hot. Justin Fuente and also our esteemed ex-boyfriend Jay Gruden both got head coaching jobs for the development of my brother, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. And Zach Taylor, this 32-year-old quote-unquote coach, benches him on his 32nd birthday. What a joke. The Red Rifle deserves better. But nonetheless, Justin Fuente, obviously supposed to be a quarterback guru. What went wrong? Does he, does he deserve better? Hold up. He's thrown nine touchdowns in eight games. I don't want to hear your stats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, man! Like that's that's not gonna. He's cut got it. red hair. It doesn't matter. He's the best representative we had in professional sports since Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> oh, jeez. White Mamba, baby. Then, uh, White Mamba. Oh, but God. Serious point. Fuente Mike is supposed to be a quarterback guru. Seemed to be a pretty big miss as, you know, I wasn't one to blame Ryan Willis for the Boston College loss, despite the turnovers. 
seeing what I have seen now, Boston College looks like a hell of a winnable game if you don't turn the ball over three times from the quarterback position. What the hell, Mike? Is that something that we can be very critical about at this point? Yes. (laughs) There you go. go. Mike Mike McDaniel with another insightful answer. (laughs) No, I'm just messing around. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, you can you can absolutely you can absolutely be be critical of that BC game. I I mean, look, even if you get like two turnovers from the quarterback position, Virginia Tech probably wins that football game, right? I mean, there's so many crucial plays. I mean, the Hezekiah Grimsley fumble too. Like there were there were just so many boneheaded mistakes uh, in that football they game. They had five. And they had five. They had turnovers. five turnovers. You're not going to win many games with five turnovers. No, no, you're not. Hey, we're 35 to 28. What the hell? I don't know, man. I mean, look, Justin Fuente has done a lot of questionable things over the last year and a half, uh, and he's done some good things, namely finally getting Head and Hooker in the game. Um, I, I don't know. I, we would have to be there for practice to see the same thing that Justin Fuente was seeing to realize if if Hendon Hooker should have been the starter all along. Willis had a decent year last year. He obviously did not have a good start to this season. Who knows? Maybe they're running more, you know, traditional passing plays in practice, and that's something that Ryan Willis is going to be better at. Maybe they're running less RPO stuff. I don't know. Um, he doesn't but... seem to get the RPO. What? Ryan doesn't seem to have a full grasp on the RPO. No, no, he doesn't. He he has no no sense of of anything in terms of the RPO. He has no instincts with it. He he doesn't feel comfortable pulling the ball out of the running back's hands. I mean, and that's interesting because Justin Fuente had so much success in year one with a guy who basically built the offense on that, right? Gerard Evans, that was kind of his main thing. He wasn't a guy who could make two to three progressions on a second and seven. He was a guy who was going to either pull the ball out, make one read or run, or he was just going to hand it off. I mean, there wasn't really that much variation going on with that offense. There were only three or four options that they had on each play. Whereas in like a professional offense, you've got five, sometimes six options on each play. So I don't know. Virginia tech has definitely taken a, a turn for the better over the last couple of weeks, but there's a lot to evaluate, right. In terms of what Justin Fuente's done over the last year and a half. And there's plenty of things on both sides of the aisle, whether it be positive or negative. And that's, that's absolutely true, Ricky. I don't want to harp too much on the negative, right? Because we, the past is but the past, as they say. And Virginia Tech has clearly made some strides, won some games that no one expected them to win at the time. Some games, the Miami game being that, that many people wouldn't have predicted them to win before the season started. Before we get into our ACC picks, before we get into score predictions, before we get into anything else, what grade would you guys give? And, Mike, I'll let you go first on this one. You know, high school grades, A through F. What grade would you give Justin Fuente on his coaching job so far here in the 2019 season? I'm going to give him a C. Now, if you break it up into quarters, <laughs> I you know, the first <laughs> – yeah, really I, I, no, I, no, I'm just saying like quarters of the season, right? If you take like the first three or four games into account, it, it wasn't very good, right? It's, we're, we're talking D, D minus, right? We're talking about an offense that's not producing with a quarterback that everybody expected to in year two. Um, you're talking about defense that didn't really take any steps forward from last year. And a lot of people were expecting that because freshmen turn to sophomores and they get a little bit more experience. Um, but if you look at the growth since the Miami game, I think you can't help but but give Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente like a B for that, you know, second handful of games, right? You beat a Miami team, which at the time, that seemed like a much better win than it looks right now. You know, Rhode Island got a little bit closer than you wanted to, but uh, the offense started to look a little bit better. And then North Carolina, you know, the defense looked pretty good and the offense looked pretty good. And the offense had to change in the middle of the game in order to get the job done. So, that's a heck of a coaching move by Justin Fuente uh, to put Quincy Patterson in in that situation. And, you know, Virginia Tech is 5-2. and two. It doesn't look the same as, like, no names 5-2, and two, just to use the example of the team they're playing this week, like Ricky mentioned earlier. But 
you know, I, I think you just give Virginia Tech an average grade, and I think that's kind of where it's where it's at right now. They haven't looked great in some games, but then other games they've kind of surpassed expectations, like when they jumped out to a huge lead against Miami and found a way to beat North Carolina. It's just kind of been that kind of season for the ACC in total, and especially for Virginia Tech, who, you know, still young across the board in a lot of positions. Ricky, you've been our in-house negative, Nancy, and rightfully so for the majority of the season. What grade are you giving Coach Boo? Well, given the fact that Virginia Tech has yet to play four four quarters of a complete game this year, I find it difficult to give him anything higher than a C. Uh, I would probably lead towards like a C minus, something around that area. Uh, the first few games of the season were absolutely horrendous, and it led me to do something that I'm not really comfortable doing, which is talking about someone potentially losing their job. Um, he's done a lot better job since then, and this team has looked more of a complete team and a competitive team since then, but we still have not seen this team play four quarters of a complete game, even against the week schedule that they've played thus far. I'm not expecting them to play four complete quarters against Notre Dame, but uh, I am expecting at least this team to show up and be and be competitive and not get blown off the field. But Justin Fuente, again, he's done some nice things this year in terms of benching Ryan Willis, even if it came too late. Uh, he's worked with Brad Cornelson to, to adapt this offense around Hendon Hooker's abilities, and he hasn't just simply plug and played with Hendon Hooker because that would have been a, a catastrophe for sure. He's been able to get this running game going a bit. It seems like Virginia Tech's rush defense is getting slightly better. Uh, I, I, it's kind of, it's almost a wash. Uh, but Virginia Tech has looked better over the over the last couple games, obviously. And if if they go to South Bend and they lose, but they do so in a competitive fashion and it's a one score game, I don't think anybody could kill Virginia Tech for that. I think that would be, um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily be impressive, but it would be an encouraging sign that they went to South Bend. And and really gave a team who's way better than they are at almost every single position their money's worth. So I'm probably going to sit in that C minus range. I'm not quite ready to go to a D, uh, but I certainly was a couple weeks ago. All right, boys. We've talked a lot about a variety of subjects regarding the season. I'm going to put it simply, and this will be unrelated to our 17 and a half spread that we're going to have to deal with about 10, 15 minutes from now, if we can be quick, which we never will be. If you're a Virginia Tech fan, because there are Virginia Tech fans listening all across the country right now, and I have to tell them to manage their expectations, what should those expectations be? Ricky LeBlue, Are we talking just in terms of the Notre Dame game, or are we talking for the rest of the season? What should should the fans' expectations for on NBC at 2 o'clock on Saturday, you're a Virginia Tech fan. You should expect should Virginia expect? Tech to kind of hang around for a bit and and really kind of trail that maybe 7 to 10 points for most of this game, and that's probably how they're, how they're going to lose. Uh, I don't think Tech fan – or they should expect Virginia Tech to jump out to a lead because I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they should expect Virginia Tech to get blown off the field because – as we've seen from the Notre Dame offense, it seems like they've got too many problems to be blowing anybody out right now. Uh, unless Virginia Tech goes out there and turns the ball over five times, I don't think they're going to get blown off the field. So Tech fans should expect this team to go out there and put together a, a, a respectable showing against a team who is far greater in terms of talent and has far greater expectations uh, you got to remember, for a lot of the guys on Virginia Tech's roster, this is probably going to be the biggest stage they've ever played in. Most of these, or some of these guys, weren't around for the game against Clemson at home. Most of them, if, if not all of them, were not around for the 2016 game versus Clemson in the in Orlando. Uh, these guys have not. A lot of these guys have not been to South Bend before, so this is going to be a big stage for them. But uh, I think Tech fans should expect them to at least hang around and and, and keep this somewhat close. I agree with everything Ricky said, which, Ricky, buddy, you know that's rare, right? Not rare, but sometimes yes, we disagree. Yes, it is. Well, it, 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 it's it's somewhat uncommon. Okay, yeah, let's, we'll let's not it call it rare. That seems a little <laughs> bleak. I'm, I'm not into that. Um, relatively <laughs> rare. Relatively rare. All right, we'll settle there. That's fine. Um, 
So no, but I expect Virginia Tech to play well. I mean, there's no reason right now with the way the Hokies have played over the last month or so to not really expect them to play well. They're they're on upswing with how they've kind of adapted their offense to who's been playing quarterback. Um, they've obviously taken the you know steps in the right direction uh, with the play calling because they have a quarterback who's a better fit for the system, whether it be Quincy Patterson or Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, behind center on Saturday against Notre Dame. Defensively, I, I think it's getting better week over week. And this is a team in Notre Dame that's very good at many different positions, right? So you expect Notre Dame to kind of have Virginia Tech at arm's length for the entirety of this football game. At least that's what I what I expect. But I think Virginia Tech can still come out of this game feeling pretty good about themselves, like Ricky just mentioned, if they're able to you know, keep this game close, keep it within a touchdown have a chance late, right? Like give yourself an opportunity to win a tough road game in South Bend. That's going to be a big step forward for a lot of young guys on this roster. It's going to be continuous momentum uh, for a team that, you know, look, just came off of a huge emotional win against North Carolina. They had a bye week to start to tighten things up and get healthy. And now if you go on the road and play well against a team in Notre Dame that, you know, nobody thinks they're playoff, but obviously after what just happened uh, in that Michigan game, but everybody expects Notre Dame to be good enough to play in a big-time bowl game, maybe even a New Year's Six game this year. So they're a very good football team. And I think if you're Virginia Tech, if you put yourself in position to have a chance to win this game in the fourth quarter, you got to feel pretty good about where you're at with all these young players on the roster getting added experience on a huge stage there in South Bend. Mike, I always love the optimism. I really do. Uh, <laughs> the good thing I really like about this podcast is that I always write a bunch of down. And we never get to it due to time constraints. So we'll save this one for the post-game pod. But I want literally no explanation and just a grade on this one. Before we get to our picks, Virginia Tech schedules Ole Miss and Alabama, granted a long way down the road. Give me a grade on Whit Babcock scheduling Ricky. Uh, C. Really? Uh, C. Alabama? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you want an explanation? Because I'll give you one, and I'll make, make it, it I'll make it Go somewhat it. brief. Okay, Virginia Tech has no business going to Tuscaloosa. That's a bad idea. And putting your program in a situation to get blasted in Tuscaloosa, which will most likely be on a, a big primetime slot, is a bad idea. Hey, that game is in like 15 years, right? Nick Saban will be. Nick Saban's gonna be in a wheelchair winning twelve to Bill games a season. You know He's gonna build Snyder it. There's there's. Bill yes, Snyder yes Saban. he is. Yes he is. And and knowing Nick Saban, there's no way Alabama has Bill any Snyder drop Saban, off until he leaves. It's it, it's a machine, dude. He's got like four associate head coaches around him. He's got another 10 guys with, who are, have coaching experience. There aren't even coaches. They're analysts. It's a machine. He doesn't even have to do much anymore. He's taught, does brings in hired guns to run his offense and defense every other year. Alabama is the the epitome of a well-run Mike, organization. I can't give a grade for something that's going to happen 15 years from now. I'm just trying to be here in 15 years. Well, Okay, I mean, on paper, oh, I mean, if you, if you take a look at it on, on paper and, and you say, Come okay, on. is Alabama going to be the same team 15 years from now and they're coming to Blacksburg, you're going to sell out Lane, which is really all anybody cares about anyway from a season ticket holder perspective. You couldn't get, yeah, you couldn't get anybody in the stands this year for some of these games um, because the schedule was so poor. <laughs> and now, guys, I think it's time for our ACC picks. We're running long. Mike, your favorite team in all of college football, Wake Forest, 6-1. and one. <laughs> Wake Forest, six and one, your boys, your alma mater. They host NC State, seven and a half point favorites at home. We haven't said anything good about NC State yet this year. Do you think Wake can cover their seven and a half point spread against the Wolfpack? Easy. NC State's offense has not been good at all. I don't care how bad Wake's defense is. Even if you get in a situation right now where you have NC State being able to score against Wake Forest and putting up some points. NC State's defense hasn't been good either. 
Wake Forest offense is a top 10 to 15 unit in college football, depending on what metric you look at. This is a very good offense for Wake Forest. NC State's defense has not been very good, and I just don't think NC State can score with Wake Forest in this game. I like the Demon Deacons here uh, to, to win and cover pretty comfortably, 10, 10 to 13 points, maybe a little bit more than that. Ricky Ricardo. I can't imagine Wake Forest being top to 10 or 15 in anything. Uh, but yeah, their offense is really good. NC State's bad. Wake's going to cover. But more importantly, can we get Mike a black t-shirt and in gold letters put hashtag Steam? Hell yeah. Deep? Can we, can I know we some make that happen? I, I, I like the idea because clearly it is Mike's favorite team in college football. I was unaware that that was his alma mater. That's, in, that's, that's uh, news that's to impressive. me too. <laughs> All right, I'll take Wake because I believe in my buddy Mike for some reason. Uh, all right, now we go to my favorite dome, the Carrier Dome, where Syracuse hosts Virginia Tech beater Boston College. Cues, despite the fact that they're trash, three-point favorites at home against the Eagle, probably because Anthony Brown's hurt. Mike, what's your thoughts? Uh, get right game here for Boston College. I like the Eagles. Um, Syracuse is really bad. Just real bad on offense, real bad on defense. Um, I, I saw Boston College in person last Saturday at Clemson. BC obviously got taken to the woodshed in that football game, but they played hard. Syracuse at times this year, especially offensively, they've looked a little bit disinterested. I'm not saying that they don't like playing for Dino Babers or anything like that. I think they love Dino there in Syracuse, but it's just been a rough year. I think they're getting towards the breaking point where you're entering the month of November. Season hasn't been what you wanted. You're playing against a Boston College team that, you know, hasn't been great on offense or defense this year, but they're at least hard nosed at the very least, and they're going to play. They're going to play tough and play hard. Um, I, I like BC here. I'm just not a fan of what, what's going on at Syracuse right now. They haven't looked very good all year long. I don't expect that to uh, I don't expect that to change heading into this game on Saturday at home. Ricky. Just short of Mike's man crush on Wake Forest, I have a man crush on Dino Babers, and it's thoroughly disappointing to watch his team stink as much as they do stink. So I'm going to pick Boston College. I think I've been picking Syracuse multiple times this year because I'm an idiot. And uh, they've obviously not helped me once. So I'm going with Boston College. Steve Adazio has got to get to 7-5 and five because he does it every year. This will be one of the games. Yeah, I know. really don't have any faith in this Syracuse team. And despite the fact that Boston College is... How how is Syracuse favored in this game? It, it's got it's got to be the backup quarterback what? thing for most college, right? It's a weird it's a weird line, no, honestly, guys. If you're actually like betting it, betting it, and like putting money on it, you have to take Syracuse just because of the line. Um, At minus I'm three, not... were they the favorites? Three, yeah, three there's point favorites against the team that actually the line the line stinks, guys. I'm telling you, there's Vegas is trying to tell you something. It had the same look. Syracuse. It was a weird line against Maryland earlier this year, and Maryland took Syracuse to the woodshed. I'm not saying that's what happens in like the reverse fashion with Syracuse and BC, but they're trying to tell you something. BC on paper should absolutely win this football game. There's a reason why Syracuse is favored, and nobody seems to know why. Vegas is trying to tell you something. Okay, I tell you what. If Syracuse wins this game, Mike, I will personally give you a shout out on Twitter. Right. Yeah, that's cool. I buy. That's cool. All right, I'm with it. Who cares about that game? <laughs> yeah, really. Gross. The game. The game means absolutely yeah. nothing. All right. In the battle of who gets fired first, Willie Taggart, Manny Diaz, they're fighting this weekend. Florida State, a three-point favorite at Dope Campbell in Tallahassee. What are your thoughts? Mike? Who, me? Okay. Um, I like Florida State here. Florida State's playing better football. Miami can't seem to really get anything going on offense. They're switching quarterbacks again. Jaron Williams is back in, and he's starting on Saturday uh, against Florida State. Uh, the Seminoles have been playing better offensively and defensively um, in the last month or so. It's been heading in a much better direction. 
Uh, Miami just doesn't really have an identity right now. And, and Florida State's been struggling, but they've got an identity offensively with Cam Akers and defensively. Um, they're trying to get it together in their front seven. And, and they've been okay so far this year defensively. Uh, but offensively, more importantly, they, they have an identity that they're sticking to. Miami's defense hasn't been very good, and offensively, they don't know week to week what they're going to get out of their running game or their passing game. I just, for all those reasons, even in a rivalry game, I like Florida State here. Yeah, um, it, it's comforting to know that both of these teams will still get to play in a bowl game uh, for the 2019 Disappointment of the Year Bowl. Um, both of these teams suck. And it's absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible, given how much talent is on both of these teams. So uh, I'm going to roll with Florida State, too. They should be favored to win this game. Like Mike said, they, they've kind of turned a bit of a corner. I don't know if you can really call it that, but they're playing better because um, better is a relative term. I'm going with the Seminoles to cover. Yeah, I mean, I, for some reason, believe in Florida State. So I'll go with them. I just pick against Miami. Granted, though, Miami's done Virginia Tech some favors so far this year. Minus losing to Georgia Tech, I guess. Pitt goes to Georgia Tech, speaking of which. Pitt, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. What do you think, Mike? Pitt stinks, too. Like, this is such a bad division. It like, is the Georgia worst Tech, division in Power 5. It is, yeah. and it's not even really all that close this year, unfortunately. It's been really, really bad. I mean, people like to love to crap all over the Pac-12. The ACC Coastal is the worst division in the Power Five. It's not particularly close this year. Um, yeah, this is this is a coin flip game. I Pitt's like seven and a half, seven seven and a half point favorite. I love Georgia Tech to cover at home. Um, it's a homecoming game for Georgia Tech. Uh, they will get fans in the stadium for that. They always do. Uh, Georgia Tech, offensively, they've been running the football a lot better, and the defense has actually been quietly okay this year, um, even though they've struggled offensively and they've been so bad on that side of the football. The defense has hung in there despite all of that. I'm not saying they're ranked statistically all that well, but they've been okay um, enough to keep the scheme in games, even when this offense is just sputtering and tripping all over themselves. Um, I love Georgia Tech to cover here. I do think Pitt ultimately wins the football game, though, but I think it'll be very close. I think Georgia Tech will have a chance to win this thing late. Pittsburgh is going to cover uh, because they need this game to kind of keep the status quo in the Coastal. Um, they are sitting there at 2-2 two and two in the ACC, and really that's kind of in the driver's seat, which is crazy to think that two losses in the conference put you in the driver's seat to win the conference. But I think Pitt covers. Georgia Tech simply isn't that good. Uh, but again, I really do think Jeff Collins is doing the Lord's work here in Atlanta, and it'll be really crazy to see if he can get this program competitive in the next two to three years when he's finally able to get that roster flipped over. Yeah, two to three years is a long time from now. I'll take Pitt to cover. All right, guys, the primetime game of the week in ACC land, Virginia, a two-point underdog on the road, at UNC, Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill. Obviously, and next week we can talk more about the Coastal and where things are going. And obviously, Virginia Tech's result against Notre Dame won't really affect that. But some of these other games will. UVA, UNC, most notably among them. Mike, UNC, the two-point favorite at home. Do you buy into that, and do you think they'll cover? Yeah, I, I do buy into it, actually. Virginia's offense right now, they, they haven't run the ball well all year. They're banged up on the offensive line. Bryce Perkins is running for his life, which, you know, you don't like to see. Uh, Virginia's linebacker, Jordan Mack, looks like he's not going to play in this game. That's a significant loss in the middle of the Virginia defense. And uh, without Bryce Hall, I think Virginia is susceptible to issues in the secondary in this football game, especially with a guy like Sam Howell who likes to sling it all over the field. I like UNC to win and cover here against UVA. Um, it's been quite the turn for the Cavaliers over the last month or so. They haven't they they started to get injured number one, which is something they absolutely couldn't afford. Um, Bryce Perkins, they, they've been lucky that he's been able to stay healthy, um, but even he's been a little bit banged up at times. Uh, you know, he took a hit last weekend. I thought that he was going to be out for a while uh, with the way his leg kind of got rolled up under him, but um, he was able to get up and shake it off and continue to play. But 
Uh, yeah, Virginia is in a tough spot right now. They're scrambling for answers on offense, and they got a ton of injuries on defense. I just think North Carolina is a safer pick here. I'm going with Sam Howell against that Virginia secondary. What say you, Rick? Remember when we all thought that the UVA-Virginia Tech game at the end of the year was basically uh, kind of over? And uh, now we're here in the, in the start of November, and uh, yeah, not so much over anymore. UVA has completely nope. been exposed. Um, they've they've really shown for that offense for what it was, which was the Bryce Perkins show, and they've been able to contain Bryce Perkins and hit him around a little bit. Like you said, Mike, he is banged up at the moment. It seems like every game he's being knocked out for maybe a play or taking a really big hit. That's kind of hindering him for the for the entire rest of that game. UNC. I actually think they're the more talented team here. Um, they're at home. Anytime you're at home, it obviously is a small favorite. I'm going to go with Carolina to cover. It's a two-point spread, so it's basically toss-up. I'm going to take the Tar Heels. And this game's really important because according to the ESPN FBI, if you think that that has any weight or merit, these are the two favorites to win. <laughs> these are the two favorites to win the ACC Coastal. So this game is pretty pivotal. All right, I have told you guys multiple times on the pod that I will believe in Virginia until they prove me otherwise. Well, they've proven me otherwise. The offensive line is hey, the time's here. <laughs> line is absolute garbage. So, yeah, I'll go with the heels in this one. We're not going to pick Clemson-Wofford because ESPN won't show me a line. Clemson's a 47-point favorite. <laughs> Mike's always got the line, man. I feel like degenerate gambler we're not yes. going to worry. We, we know that Mike's got a line. <laughs> but guys, if, last if Mike wanted to, he could find a line on, like, Romanian, like, handball. He he would find a line on it. Just say the word. I got you covered. <laughs> you guys got to meet my, my, uh, my buddy, former Virginia Tech quarterback Chase Mumau, who lost all of his money gambling on tennis. Oh, but, boy. <laughs> Chase, what are you doing, man? Come on. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's the issue. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> but uh, the game that we really care about, Virginia Tech, obviously, 17-and-a-half-point underdogs in South Bend. Ricky, you can go first on this one. Give me a – will they cover? Will they win? Obviously, if you say they're going to cover, you have to say they're going to win. And a score prediction as well. Well, I'm actually looking at the ESPN thing here, and, and according to AccuWeather, which I think is pretty accurate, uh, it's going to be in the in the 30s, and there's a potential for snow. If that's the case, uh, I think Virginia Tech actually has a chance to win this game, and a, a much greater chance, because as we know, weather is always an equalizer, and it really puts the two teams on more equal footing than they otherwise would be. I think Tech covers the spread. I don't think they're going to lose this game by 18 points. I think that that's really outlandish. I, it, there's a slim chance that that happens, but again, I don't think it's probable. I think Virginia Tech keeps this game close. I don't think that they're going to get blown off the field. I don't necessarily think they're going to have a chance really to win in the fourth quarter, but I do think they're going to somehow keep around and, and force Notre Dame to at least beat them, and Virginia Tech's not going to beat themselves. So Notre Dame wins, but I think Virginia Tech covers that spread. Oh, I guess. Oh, I got to give you a score prediction. Uh, 20... 28, uh, 20. Michael. Yeah. So I think if Quincy Patterson's playing quarterback for Virginia tech on Saturday for the entirety of the game, um, I think it's going to be very tough for Virginia tech to cover the spread because Notre Dame now has film on Quincy Patterson, um, <laughs> which I mean, yeah, but they only have film on like six plays cause that's all they ran. Yeah, but you see how inherently limited the offense is, right? Now, granted, in the bye week, um, I'm sure that they opened up the playbook a little bit more on the, you know, in the event that, you know, Quincy had Yeah, to play and more. Quincy was the third quarterback going into that game, remember? So he definitely didn't get any game reps going into the UNC game. Did not. Um, I think Virginia Tech is in a position to cover here. Um, I'm Like everybody else, it's a lot of points. Uh, with that being said, if Tech turns the ball over a time or two, that might be enough for, to push Notre Dame over the top and to cover the spread. So the Hokies need to take care of the ball on the road in South Bend. It's really that simple. That's going to be the difference in this game, in my mind, between Tech losing by 20 and Tech covering the spread and losing by like 13 or 14. Um, 
I really, I really don't think this game will be all that close from the standpoint of Virginia Tech having like a real chance to win. Um, I think it'll be competitive though, and it won't. There won't be any point in time, in my opinion, where we're going to have to turn the game off because it's getting so ugly. I, I think Notre Dame wins this game. Um, I don't know. It's going to be cold. It's going to be in the snow. There, there's elements of Virginia Tech at the quarterback position that I, we're kind of unaware of at this point. Um, let, let's say uh, Notre Dame wins 27-13. All right. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take uh, Tech to cover Notre Dame to win. We'll go 30-20 Notre Dame. But that'll do it for us. This is the Okie Hangover Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I am Andrew Alex from Mike McDaniel and Ricky LeBlue. We will talk to you after the Notre Dame game. Hopefully we'll have some pleasant news to talk about, or at least they'll keep it close.